launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Sight. I must be louder. And site expert Stephen Kabitza. If it's a blowout, Monday's podcast is going to be a bummer. But if they win, it's going to be a party. This DJ is so funky, man. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. I'm Andrew Seipt. With me, as always, Stephen Kabitza. You know, there's a lot of uh, chatter going around about this this parade that's supposed to be going on if the Browns do go 0-16, which is looking more and more likely as we wind down the season here. Stephen, what are your thoughts on the possibility of an 0-16 parade in downtown Cleveland? Well, I'm glad you asked. I have many thoughts on this that are wide-ranging, but for in case some people don't really have all the background on the parade, it is the second year. It is the Browns' perfect season parade, and it is you know, put on, you know, initially by on Twitter, it's McNeil. I believe his name is Chris McNeil. He's been on ESPN. He's all over the radio talking about it. Um, and his Twitter handle is, I believe, Reflog18, which is golfer it's, backwards. It's golfer backwards, <laughs> yes. Golfer backwards. <clears throat> um, yeah, he seems seems like a decent guy. I mean, the money, he's raising money. And if the Browns win, the money goes to the Cleveland Food Bank. But my question is, if they don't win, does he? Are they going to buy some crazy floats for the parade? That's a. If they don't, it's a quick way to make ten grand. A nice. Uh, a nice and I don't think he's ideas. doing that. That's not the point. It's almost like a come on, guys, just win. But it's reached the point where the the team is being asked about it. Like they're like, yeah, you know, we want to stop this parade. I'm like, this is embarrassing. But I guess. What we want to break down, or I, I want to get your view really quick on one. I wanted to get your view, man. I asked you first. <laughs> well, I know, but I was just giving some background. I have so many thoughts on it, so I, I got the background. In. It's a, it's it was a talk last year. If you don't know by now, then you've been living under a rock for the last. Two <laughs> well, I want to give some so. fair Steven, background. You, Stephen, are you or are you not in favor of a parade? Should they go zero and sixteen? I was, but now I'm not. Okay, elaborate. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, so I, I was in favor of it last year because I was like, you know, this joke team is going to go 0-16, and they wanted to go 0-16. That was Sasha Brown's plan. So let's celebrate with a parade. Say, you know, Jimmy Haslam, you still are the worst, but we're, we want to celebrate something after a horrible season. But this year, it's the second year and arguably way worse <laughs> than last year. Um, I don't think they're going to win. I didn't think they were going to win last year, but at least there was, you know, that was the first year of total rebuild nonsense. This, a plan I agreed with, but I'm just saying that record-wise. But this year, it's almost reached the point of the parade is talked about so much that it almost seems like a, you know, man, like the Browns are bad. Do we, do we really need to do this? Do we need to have you standing outside First Energy Stadium? There's going to be people anti-parade people it's going to be like i'm assuming it's going to be like 80 people <laughs> for the parade and like 20 against it it's, but there's going to be espn's going to be there fox sports everyone you can imagine and it's just going to make cleveland look dumb and embarrassing it's going to associate the browns with fans celebrating a winless season so i don't like that yeah i i see that perspective of it because obviously when they show the browns like at some point they're going to be not i don't terrible, know right 
and they're going to win a few games. And oh, I know I, I th- I've thought that for the last four years, but when you see like all the reels already that they have on ESPN about, you know, the shot, the drive, the fumble. I mean, w- when the Browns have those highlight reels, like that's what it's going to be associated with. I the mean, parade. Yeah. You're going to see a little bit of Deshaun Kaiser throwing end zone interceptions. You're going to see, you know, just whatever miscues that they've had, like Hugh Jackson fumbling for his coaching challenge flag, you know, things like that. But more, it's going to be the parade. Like, that's what they'll remember. It's the same thing like when LeBron and they burned his jerseys when he left. Like, that's exactly what it's going to be. One guy is going to spoil, you know, all of the this, this Cleveland reputation or, I mean, maybe lack thereof reputation that, that's out there just based on this parade. Yeah, and I don't think we fans should just – you know, go into a bunker after the season and pretend it didn't happen. But kind of ca- calling attention to it, it kind of just craps on the players, I think, who, I mean, you got a guy like, say, for example, Isaiah Crowell, who's very talented, never gets to carry the ball, and has to be on this awful team. And then after the year, it's all the fans are downtown, like, we're, our team's horrible. It's like, I think these guys know. <laughs> and I, 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 don't know. I don't think that they should be applauded <laughs> for going on 16 but just, you know, they're playing a grueling sport, and they're bad. We know they're bad. Hugh Jackson's a terrible coach. They know that. And there's going to be floats around the stadium. And I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I was against it a lot last year. I mean, obviously, I'm still not for it, but I, I see why it would happen because they're trying to show, I guess, that they're resilient during an 0-16 season or that, you know, they're they're trying to stick it to the Haslam's, but I mean, both of those things, they're just I think kind of lame duck excuses. You know, it doesn't it makes sense, but again, it's not doing anything. Like none of that is going to to stick it to the Haslam's. Like they're you're billionaires. Go out, yeah, you're gonna go out in the freezing cold with eighty people, and like I think two thousand is the projected number, but I I, I have a, a hard time believing that people there's gonna, are gonna be playoff go games on celebrate. <laughs> Exactly, and celebrate an 0-16 season when, I mean, it, if they just forget about it, it's going to go down in history, but, you know, at least there's always the chance that they could turn it around and try to erase some of that like the Lions have. Like, we don't still talk about the Lions 0-16 season. Yes, it's there, but it's not a, a – there's no highlight reel about, you know, them throwing a parade because they wanted to stick it to their owners, you know. I think when it started, as with most things in the world, it had good intentions, but it's just, it's taken on a lot. I think it had sarcastic intentions. There was no, there was not good intentions. I mean, yeah, you can, you can. I'm talking about like the donations and stuff because it's like, they're going to win. Oh yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You can, you can put, you can put all the donations in front of it that you want, but don't, don't sit there and try to tell me that it's a that it was good intentions. Like that's why he wanted to raise money for charity. No, it's a it's a sarcastic, like oh they should go zero sixteen and we should throw a parade. Like it's an attempt at humor that I think a very small percentage of the population finds funny when other people not so much. It's weird for me because with you know with Twitter I, I used to use it a lot then I kind of didn't use it that much and now I'm on it a little more trying to have a little presence on there and just seeing like Browns fans who used to be just like this, you know, this team's horrible, blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay, calm down. You know, they're bad, whatever. But now I actually side more with those fans than the ones who are like, can't wait for this parade or I want the Browns to go 0-16 so there's a parade. I'm like, I feel like those people aren't even like, don't really care about the team. And I'm not someone to quantify like, 
fandom. Like, I'm a bigger fan than you because whatever. But, I mean, it's like there's people who genuinely are upset about this team going 0-16 and just and will be upset when they see, like, on TV, like you said, like the highlight reels of people marching around with signs like 0-16. And it is like, it's almost like they're trying to troll the Haslam's, but it's taken on a life of its own. Yeah, I mean, again, we're going to beat it to death. And it, I hope hope that they win on Sunday just so this doesn't happen because, again, it's it's just embarrassing. Like, I can't, I, I tell customers that I'm a Browns fan and they're like, why? You know, I'm like, hey, at least I'm loyal. You know, I, I have really no other recourse but to say that I really don't have the energy to root for another team. <laughs> it would be too easy to go root for Philadelphia or, you know the 49ers now that they have two of my favorite quarterbacks wait who wait two of your favorite quarterbacks oh i think you meant on the 49ers i was like big cj bethard fan yeah i'm a big uh hawkeyes fan uh, especially when cj bethard was there no jimmy garoppolo and carson wentz i mean those are two guys i really wanted and i think i I think i've been on the podcast saying as much that i think jimmy garoppolo is well worth you know, the, the first – I would have given up two first-round picks last year. I don't care. I mean, that's fine. And people people literally gave me so much And then, yeah, who do they draft? <laughs> and I was like, all right, you'll see. You know, he gets traded to the 49ers for a second-rounder. And now there's a, a little NFL Films clip about his last-minute drive or two-minute drive last week against – who was it? Who, who were they going against? Tennessee. And it just shows, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo sitting on the sidelines like, Keep, keeping it calm, collected, going over his two-minute drill with his offensive coordinator, and then just talking about execution with his team and not letting them see that he's shaken or that he, he he's not his confidence is not shaken, and, and he goes out there and wins the game for him. And it, it's just amazing to me that the Browns have never have yet to find a quarterback to have those kind of character traits or those kind of traits that you only learn from a guy like Tom Brady. To be fair, I think Jimmy Garoppolo – is a guy that looks much better in San Francisco than he would here. He belongs there in the nice weather. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo, he's too good for Cleveland. I know you loved him. I, are you being sarcastic or like you actually think that he's too good for Cleveland? Oh, I mean like good looking guy. I don't think, you know, he belongs in San Francisco out there in the limelight of California. I mean, I, I would, I think he belongs here <laughs> because the Browns had, I mean, plenty of ammo to trade for him you could have taken miles garrett and instead of you know drafting deshaun watson 12 you could have had jimmy garoppolo it'd have been fine you know what's crazy too oh bill belichick wouldn't trade him to the to the browns like what you're telling me he would have turned down the number 12 overall pick it it's just absurd or if they wanted to trade back into the first round which they did to get njoku could have just get like could have done that and then traded that pick to the patriots if they really wanted a first rounder that bad i mean it's i think it's absurd that the browns didn't go after him and it still pisses me off if you couldn't tell you know what's crazy too? They they almost <laughs> swung a trade, arguably using the same amount of what they would trade for Garoppolo, maybe a little less, for AJ McCarron. <laughs> before we shift topics we were about to before we got on the Garoppolo train, I want to mention a little note that you're aware of, but our listeners may not. This is actually gonna be our second to last episode. We will do this one and then we will do one next week. Um, if the Browns are 0-15, we just can't bear to see if they go 0-16. <laughs> we will have yet to, we will never do an episode after a win. If they win this Sunday, that'd be the perfect send-off. It would be. I don't think it's going to. Especially over our beloved Mitch Trubisky, too. We'll do a six-hour episode. Uh, I hope Mitch wins. 
someone had a theory that he would throw a pick at the end of the game to seal the Browns' first victory to avoid them going 0-16 since he's from the area. Hometown hero. No, you know what happened? He'll throw a pick, and then, like, the Browns will get the ball, tie game, and Kaiser will, like, fumble or something. And then Hugh Jackson will come out in the press conference and talk crap. And that is how I'm going to lead into our next topic, Andrew. That was a good segue, man. It was totally spontaneous. Not planned at all. Hugh Jackson. No transitional phrase. Hugh Jackson, the quarterback guru, how he handles his 21-year-old quarterback. Did you ask me a question there, or you just stayed? Nope. It was a rhetorical statement. Hugh Jackson and how he handles his quarterback. My guys, and we'll uh, we'll be back next week. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I have a list here of all the the phrases that Hugh Jackson's used when talking about Deshaun Kaiser all the way back from late August up through most recently, which have come under quite quite a bit of criticism or conversation. Did someone tweet that out? Uh yeah, Keith Britton of ninety two three has it. That's um, right. I thought see. I saw it somewhere. So there's just a couple of them here that talk about how quote Deshaun Kaiser has a huge future with the Cleveland Browns. He says that twice, both on the same week in back in October. Uh, going on to say, I still go on record as saying I think this guy's going to be a really good player in time. Uh, I still, I totally believe in Deshaun. <laughs> I don't want anybody to think that I don't, regardless of what's gone on or what anybody thinks. That's back in November. Um, And then most recently, I understand when you take a guy in the second round, everybody suspects that that's the guy. We wish it is. You hope it is, but it it isn't. That's okay, too. And hopefully that guy will continue to grow and get better. So existential Hugh. I I mean, he has every right to change his mind over the course of six months because I did the exact same thing with Sashi Brown's plan and what was going on with the Browns. But I, I, I just don't understand why that has to go on outside of closed doors you know keep that that's something that stays in house you don't have to broadcast that to the world I don't see Bill O'Brien doing any of that with Tom Savage or the you know it's just a little odd to me that he has a way of talking himself out of any sort of criticism whatsoever as a head coach I just don't understand like why he thinks that's okay like Duke Johnson came out and said you know yeah I think Kaiser's confidence is shattered and it's almost like the, it's like a high school team where the teammates have to keep their player confident while the coach is just being an idiot. And yeah, he's like trying to shift blame, but it's like you didn't draft this guy. Just if it'd, it'd be better if he was just like, yeah, you know, he's my quarterback. We're sticking with him. And then Dorsey says, no, he's not new quarterback. Go, okay, not my decision. Well, there was a no. There was an article in the Athletic today. A great piece by uh, it's headed up by Jason Lloyd, but Tom Reed is doing a lot of the work. Yeah, as I've been well, reading those. Um, that talked about I don't, and I think it was an, obviously an anonymous source that said Hugh Jackson. There's not a quarterback decision made for that room that wasn't signed off on by Hugh Jackson. So, regardless of what has been said by Mike Silver and and what he's reported or what Hugh Jackson has said or what's come out, you know, I. I've got to believe that he has had a hand in, in what's ever gone on in that quarterback room, whether it's you know not thinking, thinking that Carson Wentz is worth the number two overall pick. Uh, that's one thing. But, I mean, I, I think for Hugh to go unblamed here is, is quite preposterous when it comes to the Well, my point was he can just say, not my decision, um, or, like with, or just like be confident in his guys to the media. But he takes it a whole new level and like feels like he has to – save himself and rationalize all these things it's like hey your quarterback just played bad just say that like he's constantly just putting his foot in his mouth and it's 
or he's he's doing that and he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. So you're just at this point, whenever he has a press conference, I don't even tune in because it's uh, opportunity to win a football game. He needs a press secretary. Uh, you know, they had a they had a great week of practice, um, injuries, and then that's it. And it's like, okay, Hugh, are you going to run the ball? Yeah, I wish we could get Isaiah Crow or Crowell more carries. I really do. I wish we could give him the ball more. Like, well, you're in charge of that. You know, they're they're passing the ball the most out of anybody in the league with the youngest quarterback who's had the most turnovers out of anybody, yet they're averaging a pretty solid, you know, they're a pretty good running team, yet they've run the ball the least amount of times out of any team in the NFL. So if Hugh Jackson wants to continue to hide from any sort of criticism, let him, but I, I still think he's not out of the woods when it comes to his job for next year because I don't, I don't see how anybody can keep Hugh Jackson on as a coach given what's gone on, especially in recent weeks. Well, just look, I mean, you listen, I believe, or John Dorsey, when he was on 92.3 with Bull and Fox, and they asked him three times, like, are you keeping Hugh Jackson next year? And he said, well, I'm not quoting directly, but he basically said, ownership has already answered that question. He didn't say yes. <laughs> he said he deferred the ownership, um, which was very smart. He didn't want to get his words twisted or anything. Um, but if they go 0-16, John Dorsey, who's been in football his whole life, is prob- he kept saying, you know, I like guys who are leaders of men, and I get that from Hugh Jackson. I go, you probably just have to talk to, like, five players, and they might tell you otherwise. Or what he should do, he should talk to Deshaun Kaiser. How can you say that? And be like, hey, I want to get your genuine opinion. How do you think things are going? Like, anonymous, me and you. I mean, everybody has come out and said that Hugh's a player's coach. All the players, you know, it's not lip service that they do actually enjoy playing for Hugh Jackson. So I don't know what – if he just has them – not listen to the radio or I mean they just don't see any of the things that he says about them but for some reason they really enjoy playing for Hugh Jackson I I can't tell you why but it's not uh, it's not fake that you know or they're not just paying lip service to Hugh Jackson they actually do enjoy playing for him so I think it's got to be something other than that well I guess there's a problem sometimes of it's a player's coach. It's like a cool dad. It's like <laughs> it's like we like it's like we like playing for him, but this is a billion dollar business. You can't. You need someone in there. Maybe someone to come in there. I, I don't think you need to be like Eric Mangini and find guys for insane things, but lay the law down a little. Yeah, I agree. There's a, a definite lack of accountability. I mean, Joe Schobert's comments are. I think a perfect example of that. I mean, no one, no one is mad that they're zero and sixteen. Like, at least in the media. Well, yeah, but either way, they're just no. Like everyone's like, oh, you know, we're the youngest team, or we don't get enough plays here. We're at a disadvantage. You know, there's just always an excuse. Yeah, there's always an excuse for why they're playing bad instead of somebody just stepping up and going to make a play. And I, I just don't. That that's my biggest fault with Hugh Jackson is that. When, even when you know guys like Corey Coleman are out past curfew, like he was back, he was starting the next week. It's like, or not start. Kenny Britt was starting the next week. I mean, it's like, what? Where is your accountability for anyone on your football team? Because you can just go around and do whatever you want, which is probably why it made Kenny Britt so easy to be cut because he just acted like an ass for how 10, 11 weeks until they had enough of him, or until Dorsey came in and said, "This guy's long overdue." Yeah, it's I, it's like the opposite. He hasn't lost the locker room. He's lost the fan base, or at least most of the fan base, and but not ownership. Well, I think there's more alarming pieces in that article, too, that touch more on Jimmy Haslam's inability to discern good advice from bad yeah. advice and not really understanding like that just because whoever you talk to most recently isn't necessarily the best answer 
And I think that's that was the the most alarming quote to me was that you, Jimmy's a guy that you want to talk to at seven thirty at night versus seven thirty in the morning, you know, because he's always going to make up his mind based on what he's heard most recently, and that that even feeds the narrative further that that Hugh Jackson is not out of the woods because if they go 0-16, Dorsey's going to be around that team and, and trying to work through this team and, and improving the roster. And they're going to be watching film. They're going to be going through what went wrong this season. And I think all signs are going to point to Hugh Jackson being a lot of the reason why we lost or why we're 0-16. Yeah, there, I was listening to, once again, 92.3 The Fan, when Dorsey was on, and they'd, someone actually called in and was like, you know, the difference is that Sasha Brown could sit down and watch film with Hugh and go, why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Because he really didn't – like he could ask some stuff but not in depth. Hugh could be like, oh, this is whatever. But Dorsey could sit down and go through specific plays, everything, and be like, what are you doing here? And actually break it down in a football sense. And it could like provide a Kyle Shanahan PowerPoint to Jimmy Haslam that says here's like the 32 reasons why Hugh needs to go. Well, my favorite, uh, My favorite part about those articles is that – one of the, I think, league executives said that Sashi Brown, Sashi Brown couldn't draw cover two if you spotted them, the two safeties. And then I saw some other people tweet about how, like, oh, well, neither could 95% of Brown's Twitter that complained about Sashi Brown. It's like, well, that, yeah. it's not our job to do to pick players. You know, that's the GM of your football team that, that has no football knowledge whatsoever. I don't, again, I've said this before that you or I could have done what Sashi Brown did. And the fact that he's treated as some sort of, you know, sacrificial lamb for the Browns for having to tank this roster is dumbfounding to me. But at the same time, I mean, you can't get a John Dorsey if you don't have a fluffer in Sashi Brown, right? Yeah. And I mean, I, I just don't understand why people can't just accept the fact that Sashi Brown was just unqualified for the general manager job. He was fine doing what he was doing, like handling salary cap decisions and stuff. And he had good ideas of how to acquire picks and salary cap space but he shouldn't be the one picking the players. And people see, like, people will argue, like, well, he set up this good plan. It goes, yes, we agree on that. And they're like, well, Dorsey's going to, you know, use the picks that Sashi got. It's like, yes. But no, that's my point. It's people ignore the fact that he was not good at picking players. He was good at setting things up. But there seems to be an either, you know, Sashi's, Sashi's the next Sam Hinkie. Like, he set up this process and he's being let go. Or it's... He's a total idiot. It's like, no, there's a middle ground. There was a tweet from Ben Axelrod that said 24 draft picks and one Pro Bowl alternate. And I think that right there speaks volumes to what kind of talent Sashi has acquired on this roster. I mean, as much as Tony Grossi is very frustrating to, to, to see sometimes in terms of his interactions with fans, he's been pretty on in his mock drafts about what guys the Browns should be taking. And he had a one that predicted the Browns should take you know, Miles Garrett, Deshaun Watson, and Buda Baker, who just made a Pro Bowl as a special teamer. Like, just stuff like that. The fact that guys in the media, guys like us can say, we want this guy right here. Heck, I said they should take Deshaun Watson. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the, the fact that it's so easy for guys like us to say, this is what they should do at 12 if he's there, but yet the guys that are being paid to make those decisions don't do it, and it comes back to bite them, is just like, it gives us hope that maybe we could be general managers of football teams someday. Well, I think that's the thing with football. For the first round pick, and when you pick so high every year, this isn't rocket science. It's like taking Miles Garrett. Yeah, let's take Miles Garrett. But then with 12th pick, it's like, hmm, what's a position that we've needed for 20 years? Oh, a quarterback. And they're like, you know what? Nah. We're yeah. going to take a safety, line him up 90 yards behind the line of scrimmage. 
Oh, he's you see he's playing strong safety this weekend because Kindred's out. So he might actually, for the first time all season, Jabril Peppers will be playing the position that they drafted him to play. Watch him have Not like because, three picks, ten tackles. Oh, I'm sure he'll play a lot better and a lot more natural than he has in the past. The thing that I don't understand is why they couldn't just go out and find a, a strong safety somewhere to play. You mean a free safety? A free safety. Yeah, to go for, to find a free safety to play where Peppers was playing and just move Peppers to his natural position. You're wasting an entire year of developing a guy to position that he's naturally good at playing and, and forcing him to play 90 yards off the ball out in Lake Erie. And you know what frustrates me about that specifically is that Greg Williams comes out and goes, you know, like the coaches will make excuses like, oh, well, we're just trying to do what fits our players best. And it's like, no, you're not doing that. You're hurting them by making them do you're this dumb stuff. Just It's like, why can't we just run a normal game plan like every other team and see how it goes? But instead it's like, oh, I got to protect my safety, so I'm going to put him 90 yards back and then – like and then Hugh Jackson will say the same thing, but then have Kaiser throw thirty-seven times. It's like I don't understand what the heck is going on. I'm curious to see what's going to be on the on the docket for this weekend because I'm sure Hugh's going to be very very desperate to get a win because Pittsburgh is not going to be laying down in Week 17. I'll tell you that the Browns might be a 17 point underdog because they're already seven against Chicago. If Pittsburgh's starting all their guys, I mean Antonio Brown's out, but they don't need Antonio Brown. They don't. They could. They. I mean Landry Jones beat the Browns last year. Yeah. Hugh Jackson lost the game himself last year single-handedly. I mean, it's – again, I think it's going to happen again this year, but I think for real they're actually going to go in 16. I, I don't think that Hugh's in for a second straight Christmas Eve miracle. Well, you know what the Bears are going to do? You know, the Browns have a solid run defense, so they'll just throw some intermediate passes all game. Mitch is a very accurate quarterback. Had a rough game against Detroit last week, but, I mean, Detroit has some studs, and the Bears' line was hurt. So just eight, ten-yard passes – they're, they're not going to stop it. They haven't stopped it all year. So the way the Browns need to stop Mitch is they need to take away Jordan Howard, which they have been decent at, but they've also been prone you know, against the Lions. They did give up a ton of yards on the ground. So if they can stop Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard, that's objective one because you want to make Mitch beat you. The problem with Mitch is that he's not as good as throwing to the sidelines as he is over the middle. So if they can take away the middle of the field, I don't expect them to do that because they haven't taken away the middle of the field to anybody. Or cover tight ends or do anything. Or cover tight ends or, you know, guard anybody within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. But, I mean, if I were a defensive coordinator, I'd take away the middle of the field and try and make Mitch beat me on the sidelines. But what do we know? We just well, I believe I saw a stat. I believe I believe the Browns are actually good when they run press coverage this year, but they run it like the you know fewest of any team in the league. And you know what drives me insane when it's like third and one, and you see one of the corners like ten yards off the receiver, and I'm like receiver screen, and then the quarterback just he looks over and throws it. He, he all he has to do is catch the ball and literally just stick his arm yep. out, and that's a first down. Like if there's a defensive back there, he probably doesn't. And they have they throw. do well in press coverage. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, for a guy that that comes after reporters and you know says come get some, you know they're pretty pretty terrible defense schematically in terms of like dropping Danny Shelton in coverage. Like what? Well, you know what the worst play of the what week was? The worst play had to have been Flacco's draw a touchdown. Um, yeah, Schobert was I think two thirds deep in the end zone, and they had three okay. defensive linemen. Did you see Keith Bullock's video on that? I don't. I didn't see his. I saw. Um, Someone else's, I believe it was Jake Burns who breaks down film. We mention his name sometimes. He wow. he did it, and someone I think might have been arguing with him, like, "Oh, this is a good play schematically." He's like, two of the linemen don't have anyone to block." Like, 
And no, I mean Keith Bullock was he's a I mean I mean he's literally like what are you doing lining up this far back? Like who are you going to guard? You know, and he's like yeah, yeah I mean it's a, and easy everyone could have ran in front of Schobert. You're, you're taking yourself out of the play completely. Yeah. I mean, but what do we know? You know, we're just we just watch it on film and, and scratch our heads because we have no other answer for it. It just that play. Well, I was like I, I said in our last or podcast on Monday, I was like, anyone could have called. You could be sitting in the stands and go, he's going to run the run this ball because it's physically impossible for the three linemen to stop him. Yeah, I mean the apathy is setting in, and on on Saturday I'll be, uh, I'll be tuning. You in, mean Sunday? Was it Sunday? Whatever. I, I mean after <laughs> once it's the weekend, I, to, I guess Friday today. <laughs> Yeah, once it's the weekend, I mean, all the days are going to run together because I'll be back in Ohio and not really paying attention to the clock or really any football for that matter because I'm out of the playoffs in most of my fantasy leagues, so it's a shame. Season's ended yeah. too short. And the Browns, I want to predict a win, but I'm not going to. No, they're not going to win. I hope they win. I I don't I just don't. Well, yeah, me too. I really want this parade to be canceled. Yeah, I mean they've they've never come close to really putting together a complete game. So I, well, the Green Bay come is playing again. The closest they've come is going through three quarters, and then the fourth quarter they go, okay, guys, we're up two touchdowns. Then they lose because they're afraid. They're so afraid to lose that they lose instead of just being you know gung ho to try and just win the game and put your foot on the throat and end it. But instead, we're going to be 0-16. Dilly-dilly. And that dilly-dilly. I will give a score prediction really quick, though. I will say 24-23 Bears. A fun one. 24-23? Yep. The Browns haven't scored. The Browns don't score more than two touchdowns. They well, they're going to Chicago. They're scoring 23. They're going to Chicago to lose, like, 13-6. to It's just it's going to be an ugly game. No one I'm really taking wants the over. to be there. I think Mitch is probably the only person that wants to play in that game because there's – He I, wants I to beat the Browns. They didn't draft him. But I'm kind of glad they didn't draft him. Might have ruined him the same way they ruined Kaiser. Who knows? We'll be back next week, though, hopefully discussing a win in our final episode. Are we going to have some special guests? <laughs> no. Probably not. Like, we keep reaching out to ESPN for some reporters, but we're not getting any responses. Yeah, I know. I mean, I tried to get Rappaport on. I tried to get Adam Schefter. I mean, none of these guys want to come on the Dog Pond Daily Podcast. So it's gonna be that's going to be it for us a week from uh, – maybe not a week from today. but Sometime next week, the Christmas holiday is messing up our schedule. Sometime next week. I, I'm ready for the holidays, man. Yeah, we'll drop it on Christmas, see if anyone listens. That'd be kind of sad, though. <laughs> yeah. Well – I think that just about does it for us. Hopefully the Browns can win on Sunday. Uh, you can like and subscribe on iTunes, although it doesn't really do much good, seeing as how. They'll <laughs> our, be archived there, though. Our last episode is uh, a week from now, but thank you for listening, and see you next time.